Hello! Welcome to the Sweetie Shakespeare Hours, where we spend time well by spending it together. We are so glad you're here. Sweetie Shakespeare is a community of artists, a theater company, a music company based in North Carolina that seeks to gather diverse communities around a common table to delight in story, song, and stagecraft. This podcast is kind of like our digital campfire, a place where we can come together to share ideas and tell stories. Our podcast has four different ways of gathering and sharing those ideas and stories. You're currently listening to The Hours, an artistic catch-all for streaming, interviews, music, pre-show programming, and feature-length audio productions. On behalf of Sweet Tea Shakespeare, thank you for spending your time with us today. We hope you enjoy what we've got for you. Well, my dear doctor, hast thou done what I desired? I have undone you forever with the woman, and reported you throughout the whole town as a eunuch, with as much trouble as if I had made you one in earnest. But if you told all the midwives you know, the orange wenches at the playhouses, the city husbands, and the old fumbling solicitors at the bailey, for they'll be the readiest to report it. I have told all the chambermaids, waiting women, nursemaids, parlormaids, lawyers, husbands, and lecturers of my acquaintance, nay, and whispered it as a secret to them so that they need not doubt to spread. And you will be as odious to the handsome young woman as the smallpox, and as vile to the married woman of London as their own husbands. Just so. And you told them it was by an English-French disaster and an English-French surgeon who has given me perpetual antidote against that damned malady love. Your late journey into France has made my story the more credible, and your staying indoors a fortnight before you appeared in public looks as if you apprehended the shame, which I wonder you do not. Indeed, sir, I'll swear I have been hired by a thousand young gallants to belie them the other way and say they are endowed beyond their measure, but you are the first I have ever met who would be thought a man unfit for women. <laughs> Doctor, there are quacks in love as well as physic who get but the fewer and worse patients for their boasting. A good name is seldom got by giving it oneself, and thou knowst as well as I that neither women nor honor are achieved by bragging. Enter the boy. Sir Jasper Fidget is coming up, sir, and there are two ladies with him. Exit the boy. A pox some unbelieving sisters of my former acquaintance who I am afraid expect me to confirm the falsity of the report. Enter Sir Jasper Fidget, Lady Fidget, and Mrs. Dainty Fidget. Good God, here's wretched company indeed, one fool and two women. Not just any woman, his wife and sister. Dear sir, that my coach broke down just now before your door, sir, I look upon as a reprimand to me, sir, for not kissing your hands, sir, since you're coming out of France, sir. And so my disaster, sir, has been my good fortune, sir. And this is my wife and sister, sir. What then, sir? Well, this one's my wife and that one's my sister, sir. Wife, this is Master Horner. Master Horner, husband. And this is my lady, sir, Lady Fidget, sir. So, sir. Won't you be acquainted with her, sir? So the report is true, I find, by his coldness to the sex, but I'll play the wag with him. Pray, kiss my wife, sir. I will kiss no man's wife, sir, for him, sir. I have taken my eternal leave, sir, of the sex already, sir. <laughs> I'll plague him yet. Not know my wife, sir. 
I do know your wife, sir. She's a woman, sir. And consequently a monster, sir. A greater monster than a husband, sir. Pray, husband, let us be gone from this rude fellow. Who by his breeding would think he had ever been in France? Foe, he's but too much a French fellow. To hate women of quality and virtue for their love to their husbands. A woman, a woman nowadays is hated by men as much for loving her husband as for loving her money. Pray, let's be gone. You do well, madam, for I have nothing that you came for. I have brought over not so much as a body picture, no new postures, nor the second part of the école des filles, nor- For shame, sir. What do you mean? You'll ruin yourself forever with the sex. <laughs> he hates women perfectly, I find. Pity tis he should. Aye, he's a base fellow for it. But affection makes not a woman more odious to them than virtue. Because virtue is your greatest affectation, madam. How, you saucy fellow! Would you wrong my honor? If I could. How do you mean, sir? <laughs> no, he can't wrong your ladyship's honor upon my honor. He, poor man, hark you in your ear is a mere eunuch. Oh! <laughs> Filthy French beast! Phil, why do we stay? Let's be gone. I can't endure the sight of him. Nor can I stay longer. It is, well, let me see, a quarter and a half quarter of a minute past eleven. The council will be sat. I must away. Business must be preferred always before love and ceremony with the wise, Mr. Horner. And the impotent, Sir Jasper. Aye, aye, the impotent, Master Horner. <laughs> <laughs> what? Leave us alone with a filthy man in his lodgings. But he's an innocent fellow now, my dear. Prithee, stay. I'll send some music to you. Mr. Horner, I should be glad to see you at my house, sir. Come and dine with me and play at cards with my wife after dinner. You are fit for women at that game yet. <laughs> well, farewell. Your servant, Sir Jasper. Exit Sir Jasper. I will not stay with him, husband. Nay, madam, I beseech you stay, if but to see that I can be as civil to ladies yet as they would desire. You as civil as ladies would desire? <laughs> the idea! <laughs> Exeunt Lady Fidget and Mrs. Dainty. You see, sir, the ladies you would uh, flatter will have nothing to do with you. Thou art an ass. Don't you see already upon the report that this great man of business leaves his wife in my lodgings and invites me to his house to entertain his own wife? Nay, I have, by the reputation of a eunuch, the privileges of one, and be seen in a lady's chamber in a morning as early as her husband, kiss virgins before their parents, and may be, in short, the master key of the town. Well, I wish you luck and many patience, sir, whilst I go to mine. Exit Quack. Enter Harcourt and Doralent. Harcourt, Doralent, welcome, friends, to the habitat of the socially repugnant. Ah, uh, come, Horner. Your appearance at the play yesterday has, I hope, hardened you for the future against the women's contempt and the men's raillery. And now you return abroad as you were wont. Did I not bear it bravely? With the most theatrical impudence, nay, more than the orange wenches show there or a drunken wizard, or a great-bellied actress, nay, or the most impudent of all creatures, an angry poet. <laughs> but what say the ladies? Have they no pity? I dare swear they won't admit you to play at cards with them. 
go to plays with him, or do the little duties which other shadows of men are wont to do for him. A pox on love and wenching. Women serve but to keep a man from better company. Though I can't enjoy them, I shall enjoy you twain the more. <laughs> Good fellowship and friendship are lasting, rational, manly pleasures. And yet, for all that, give me some of those pleasures you'll call effeminate too. They help to relish one another. <laughs> they disturb one another. No, mistresses are like books. If you pour upon them too much, they doze you and make you unfit for company. But if used discreetly, you are fitter for intelligent conversation by it. A mistress should be like a little country retreat near the town. Not to dwell in constantly, but only for a night and away. Thereby to taste the town better when a man returns. <laughs> and yet I tell you, tis as hard to be a lover of women as a lover of money. You cannot follow both, so choose your side. Wine gives you liberty, love takes it away. By the world, he has reason, Harcourt. For my part, I will have only those glorious manly pleasures of being very drunk and very slovenly. Enter the boy. Mr. Sparkish is below. Exit the boy. Sparkish, my dear friend, a rogue that is fond of me only, I think, for abusing him. <laughs> Indeed. He can no more think the men laugh at him than that woman jilt him. His opinion of himself is so good. Well, here's another pleasure by drinking that I thought not of. I shall lose Sparkish's acquaintance because he cannot hold his liquor. And you know, tis a very hard thing to be rid of a fellow, for he's one of those nauseous attempters at wit who, like the worst fiddlers, run themselves into all companies. One that, by being in a company of men of sense, would pass for one. And may so to the short-sighted world as a false jewel among true ones is not discerned at a distance. But indeed, most men are the contraries to that they would seem. Your bully is a coward with a long sword. Your little fawning physician is he that poisons men. Aye, your errantist cheat is your executor. Your jealous man, the greatest cuckold. Your churchman, the great atheist and your noisy, pert rogue of a wit the greatest fop, as you shall see, for here he comes. Enter Sparkish. How is it, Sparks? How is it? Well, faith, Harry, I must rally thee a little. <laughs> Upon the report in town of thee, <laughs> I can't hold it, faith. Shall I speak? Yes, but you'll be so bitter then. Come, Dick and Frank here shall answer for me. I will not be extreme bitter by the universe. Oh, indeed, we'll bet a 10,000 pound bond. He shall not be bitter at all. Nor sharp, nor sweet. What, not downright insipid? Nay, then, since you are so brisk and provoke me, take what follows. You must know I was discoursing with some ladies yesterday, and they happened to talk of the fine new signs in town. Very fine ladies, I believe. <laughs> very fine signs. Said I, I know where the best new sign is. Where, says one of the ladies. In Covent Garden, I replied. Said another, in what street? In Russell Street, answered I. Lord, says another, I'm sure there was never a fine new sign there. Yes, but there was, said I again. And it came out of France and has been there a fortnight. The pox, I can hear no more, prithee. No, hear him out. Let him tune his crowd a while. Worst music, no greatest preparation. <laughs> Nay, Faith, I'll make you laugh. It cannot be, says a third lady. Yes, yes, quoth I again, says a fourth lady. Look to it, we'll have no more ladies. No, then mark, mark now, said I to the fourth. Did you never see Mr. Horner? 
He lodges in Russell Street, and he's only a sign of a man, you know, since he came out of France. And with that, they all fell a-laughing till they'd be pissed themselves. <laughs> come, come, Sparks, but where do we dine? I have left at Whitehall a very earl to dine with you. Go to him again. No, sir. A wit to me is the greatest title in the world, and you three are wits. But go dine with your Earl, sir. He may be an exception. We are your friends and will not take ill to be left, I do assure you. Nay, hey, baby, shall go to him. No, pray, gentlemen. We'll thrust you out if you won't. What? Disappoint a very Earl for us. Nay, dear gentlemen, hear me. No, no, sir, by no means. Pray, go, sir. Out. Why then, I'll go fetch my mistress and away. Exit Sparkish. <laughs> if that imbecile has a mistress, I'm a toadstool. The only toadstool is he, and if that mistress will have him, then she is the imbecile. Enter Pinchwife. But who have we here, Pinchwife? Gentlemen, your humble servant. Well, Jack, by thy long absence from the town, the grimness of thy face and the slovenliness of thy habit, I should give thee joy, should I not, of marriage? Death. Does he know I'm married too? I thought to have concealed it from him, at least. My long stay in the country will uh, excuse my dress, and I have a suit of law here in town that uh, puts me out of humor. Uh, besides, I must give Sparkish tomorrow 5,000 pounds to lie with my sister. Why, then he does have a mistress. More pity her. Fie, you country gentlemen will buy anything, even a wife. And Sparkish is a cracked title, if we may quibble. He wants a dowry, not a wife. But tell me, Pinchwife, am I to give thee joy? I heard thou wert married. What then? Why, the next thing that is to be heard is thou art a cuckold. Insupportable name. But I did not expect marriage from such a whoremaster as you, one that knew the town so much and the women so well. Why, I have married no London wife. Pshaw, that's all one. That grave circumspection in marrying a country wife is like refusing a deceitful debutante to go and be cheated by a frolicsome friend in green pastures. Fox on him and his simile. At least we are a little surer of the breed there and know what her keeping has been, whether foiled or unsound. And she's handsome and young. I'll answer as I should do. No, no, she, she has no beauty but her youth, no attraction but her modesty. Uh, she is uh, homely, good sirs, and, and too awkward, ill-favored, Ill and silly to bring to town. Then methinks you should bring her into town to be taught breeding. To be taught? No, sir, I thank you. Uh, good wives and politicians should be ignorant. I'll keep her from your instructions, I warrant you. But prithee, why shouldst thou marry her if she be ugly, ill-bred, and silly? She must be rich, then. As rich as if she were a London heiress of 20,000 pounds, for she'll be as sure not to spend her modest dowry as a city girl would be to squander hers, so it's all one. But yet, for all that, why would you have her be ignorant, Jack? For my part, I find wit is more necessary than beauty, for I think no young woman ugly that has it, and no handsome woman agreeable without it. Fie! What is wit in a good wife for but to make a man a cuckle? 
Why to keep it from his knowledge? Nay, I'll take care to prevent that. My wife shall make me no cuckle, though she had your help, Mr. Horner. I understand the town, sir. His help? <laughs> but tell me, has marriage cured thee of whoring, which it seldom does? Fire lady, though I wish you many hearty felicitations, I think you were better off before. Is not keeping better than marriage? Pox on it. The jades would jilt me. I could never keep a whore to myself. So then you only married to keep a whore to yourself. But Jack, let me tell you, women are like soldiers, made constant and loyal by good pay rather than by oaths of loyalty. Therefore, I'd advise my friends to whore rather than marry, since, too, I find by your example, it does not serve one's turn, for I saw you yesterday at the playhouse with a pretty country wench. How the devil did he see my wife, then? I sat us above that she might not be seen, but she shall never go to a play again! What? Dost thou blush for having been seen with a wench? No, faith, I warrant t'was his wife, which he seated there out of sight, for he's a cunning rogue and understands the town. Hell and damnation! But prithee, was it thy wife? She was exceeding pretty. I was in love with her at that distance. Well, you will never come near her, nearer to her than that. Your servant, gentlemen. Nay, prithee, stay. I cannot, I will not. Come, you will dine with us. I've dined already. Come, I know thou hast not. I'll treat thee, dear rogue. Thou shalt spend none of thy Hampshire money today. Treat me. So he uses me already like his cuckold. I cannot accept your invitation, sir. I have business at home. Exit Pinchwife. Arrogate his wife, no doubt. He's as jealous of her as a cheapside husband of the Covent Garden wife. Why, tis as hard to find an old whoremaster without jealousy in the gout as a young one without fear or the pox. Pray, sister, tell me why my husband looks so grim here in town and keeps me locked inside and will not let me go a-walking nor wear my best gown. Oh, he's jealous, sister. Jealous? What's that? He's afraid you should love another man. <gasps> How should he be afraid of me loving another man when he will not let me see any but himself? Did he not carry you to a play yesterday? but we sat amongst ugly people. He would not let me come near the gentry. And how did you like the play? Indeed, I was weary of the play, but I liked hugely the actors. They are the goodliest, prosperest men, sister. Oh, but you must not like the actors, sister. But how should I help it when they are so handsome? Pray, sister, when my husband comes in, will you ask leave for me to go a-walking? A-walking? Lord, a country gentlewoman's pleasure is the drudgery of a footpost, and she requires as much airing as her husband's horses. But here comes your husband. I'll ask, though I'm sure he'll not grant it. He says he won't let me go abroad for fear of catching the pox. Fine, <laughs> Marjorie. The smallpox, you should say. Enter Pinchwife. Oh, my dear, dear bud, welcome home. Why dost thou look so froppish? Who has nangered thee? You're a fool. Mrs. Pinchwife goes aside and cries. Faith, so she is for crying for no fault. Poor tender creature. What? You would have her as impudent as yourself, as errant a flirt, a gadder, a magpie, and, to say all, a mere notorious town woman? Brother, 
You are my only censurer, and the honor of your family will sooner suffer in your wife than in me, though I take the innocent liberty of the town. For shame! Do not talk so before my wife. The innocent liberty of the town? Why, who boasts of any intrigues with me? What foul act has made my name notorious? What ill women frequent my lodging? I keep no company with any women of scandalous reputations. No, you keep company with the men of scandalous reputations. Then you would not have me civil. You would not have me speak to them at the plays, in the drawing room at Whitehall, at St. James's Park, or Mulberry Garden, or- Hold! Hold! Do not teach my wife where the men are to be found. Indeed, be not angry with her, bud. Alethea will tell me nothing of the town, though I ask her a thousand times a day. Then you are very inquisitive to know, I find? Not I, indeed, dear. I hate London. Our house in the country is worth a thousand of it. Would I were there again? So you shall, I warrant. But were you not talking of plays and players when I came in? You are her encourager in such discourses. No, indeed, dear. Alethea chid me just now for liking the player men. If she be so innocent as to own to me her liking them, there is no harm in it. Come, my poor rogue, then thou likest none better than me. Yes, indeed, but I do. The player men are finer folks. But you love none better than me. You are my own dear bud, and I know you. I hate a stranger. I. My dear, you must love me only, and not be like the naughty town women who only hate their husbands and love every man else. Love plays, visits, fine coaches, fine clothes, fiddles, balls, treats, and so lead a wicked town life. Nay, if to enjoy all these things be a town life, London is not so bad a place, dear. Nay, if you love me, you must hate London. The fool has forbid me discovering to her the pleasures of the town, and he is now setting her agog upon them himself. Then I will, bud. But why have we no player men in the country? Enough! Mrs. Minx asked me no more to go to a play. Nay, why, love? I did not care for going, but when you forbid me, you make me as twere desire it. So twill be in other things, I warrant. Pray, let me go to a play, dear. Hold your peace, I will not. But why? First, because you like the actors. Second, because the gallants may like you. <laughs> what, a homely country girl? No, bud, nobody will like me. I tell you, they may. No, no, you jest. I won't believe you and I will go. I'll tell you then that one of the lewdest fellows in town who saw you there told me he was in love with you. Indeed. Who? Who? Pray, who was it? Pox on my tongue. How overjoyed she is. Was it some Hampshire gallant? Any of our neighbors? No. He is a London man, and one would ruin you as he has done hundreds. Aye, but if he loves me, why should he ruin me? Answer me to that. Methinks he should not, for I would do him no harm. <laughs> Tis very well but I'll keep him from doing you any harm. Or me, either. Ah, oh, but here comes company. Get you in, get you in. Hey, husband, is he a pretty gentleman? In. Baggage in. 
Pinchwife thrusts Mrs. Pinchwife into the next room and shuts the door. Enter Sparkish and Harcourt. What? All the rude liberties of the town brought to my lodging by this easy coxcomb strath. I will not suffer it. Here, Harcourt, here she is, my bride, as twerk to be. Tell me, do you approve my choice? Dear little rogue, I told you I'd make you acquainted with all my friends, the wits, and the... Harcourt salutes Alethea. Aye, and they shall know her as well as know yourself, I warrant. This is one of those, my pretty rogue, that are to dance at our wedding tomorrow, and him you must always bid welcome to whatever you and I have. Monstrous. Harcourt, how dost thou like her, in faith? Thou hast stared upon her enough to resolve me. So infinitely well that I could wish I had a mistress too that might differ from her in nothing but her love and engagement to you. Sir, Master Sparkish has often told me that his acquaintance were all wits and chalieurs, and now I find it. No, by the universe, madam. Harcourt does not rally now. You may believe him, dear Daisy. He is the honestest. Worthy-est, true-est, hearthead gentleman, a man of such perfect honor as he would say nothing to a lady he does not mean. Raising another man to his mistress. Now, Frank, I am sure you do admire her extremely. I see it in your eyes. He does admire you, madam. By the world, don't you? Now I never thought I should have envied you or any man about to marry but you have the best excuse for marriage I ever know. Nay, come now, sir. I am satisfied you are of the society of the wits and chalieurs, since you cannot spare your friend, even when he is but too civil to you. But the surest sign you are a woman-hating wit is that you are an enemy to marriage, which I hear you hate as much as business or bad wine. Surely, madam, I was never an enemy to marriage till now, because marriage was never an enemy to me before. But why, sir, is marriage an enemy to you now? Because it robs you of your friend here? For you look upon a friend married as one gone to a monastery that is dead to the world. No, tis because you marry him. Nay, prithee, Frank, my wife shall not inhibit my happiness. Thou shalt enjoy me sometimes, dear rogue. <laughs> By my honor, we men of wit mourn our deceased brother in marriage as much as one dead in earnest. <laughs> I think that was prettily said of me, eh, Harcourt? But come, dear Frank, just think her a fine person. I could gaze upon her till I became as blind as you are. How, as I am, how? because you are a lover, and true lovers are blind. Stock blind. Ah, true. True, and by the world, she has a wit, too, as well as beauty. Go, go with her into a corner and try her wit. Talk to her about anything. Alethea is bashful before me. Indeed, if a woman wants wit in a corner, she has it nowhere. Sir, you dispose of me a little before your time. Nay, madam, let, let me have an earnest of your loyalty. Go. Go. Sparkish pushes Alethea and Harcourt into a corner of the room. How, sir? If you are not concerned for the honor of a wife, I am for that of a sister. But be a pander to your own wife. Bring men to her. Thrust them into a corner together. Leave them in private. Is this your town wit and conduct? <laughs> Thy fears, my dear soon-to-be brother, are insupportable. <laughs> Nay, you shall not disturb him. I'll vex thee by the world. 
Sparkish struggles with Pinchwife to keep him from Harcourt and Aletheia. The writings are drawn, sir. Settlements made. Tis too late, sir, and past all revocation. Then so is my death. I would not be unjust to him. I have no obligation to you. My love. I had his before. You never had it. He laughs as you see his jealousy. The only infallible sign of it. Love proceeds from esteem. He cannot distrust my virtue. Besides, he loves me, or he would not marry me. <laughs> Marrying you is no more sign of his love than bribing your governess that he might bed you is a sign of his generosity. Marriage is rather a sign of vanity than love. <laughs> he that marries a fortune covets a trophy, not a partner. But if you take marriage for a sign of love, Take it from me immediately. No, now you have put a scruple in my head. But in short, sir, to end our dispute, I must marry him or my reputation would suffer in the world. No, madam, if you do marry him, your reputation suffers in the world, for you would be thought of atrocious judgment to plight your troth to such a fool. Nay, now you are rude, sir. Mr. Sparkish, pray come hither. Your friend here is very troublesome and very loving. Harcourt covers her mouth with his hand. Do you hear that? I, do you think I'll be jealous like a country bumpkin? Yes, since you could be so little generous as to wrong him. Wrong him? No man can do it. He's beneath an injury, a bubble, a coward, a senseless idiot, a wretch so contemptible to all the world but you Hold, that... hold, do not rail at him, for since he is like to be my husband, I am resolved to like him. Nay, I think I am obliged to tell him you are not his friend. Master Sparkish! Master Sparkish! Hmm? What? What? Now, dear Harcourt, has my lady not wit? Not so much as I thought and hoped she had. In faith, Mr. Sparkish, your friend spoke so scurrilously of you, I had no patience to hear him. Besides, he has been making love to me. True, damn telltale woman, thou senseless, impudent, virtuous. Well, since she won't let me love her, I see she'll do as good. She'll make me hate her. Just to show his parts, we wits rail and make love often. <laughs> but tis only to show our parts. Mm -mm. He said you were a wretch below an injury. <laughs> A common bubble? <laughs> a coward? A, <laughs> a senseless, <laughs> driveling idiot! What? Uh, did he disparage my wit? Nay, my honor's concerned. I, I can't put up with that, sir, by the word. Brother, help me kill him. Sparkish draws his sword. Hold, hold, indeed, uh, uh, to tell you the truth, sir, the gentleman said, after all, that what he spoke was to try whether I was concerned enough for you. And, and he made love to me only to be satisfied of my virtue for your sake. Nay, if it were so, my dear Harcourt, I ask thee pardon. No. Why would not you tell me so, Faith? Because I did not think of it, Faith. Well, come along then. Mr. Horner does not meet his hour. Uh, let's be gone to the playhouse. Come, madam. I will not go if you intend to leave me alone in the box and run into the pit as you used to do. I'll leave Harcourt in the box to entertain you. No, 
That's not- Gladly, sir. Excellent! Come away, Harcourt! Exeunt Sparkish, Aletheia, and Harcourt. Hi there! My name is Kelly Artis, and I am a board member at Sweet Tea Shakespeare. So I support Sweet Tea because of the escape that it offers for its patrons and theater goers, uh, both physically and now digitally. So if you want to get plugged in, be sure to follow them on all of the social media at Sweet Tea Shakes, um, and also consider supporting them over on Patreon. Uh, it's as little as $10 a month, you guys, so support the local arts here in Fayetteville. Enter Lady Fidget, Mrs. Dainty, and Mrs. Squeamish. Your servant, Master Pinchwife. Where is your lady? We are come to bring her along with us to the new play. New play? Mm-hmm. And my husband will wait upon you presently. Pray, let us see her. We will not stir till we see her. Pox on you all! Alas. Good ladies, my wife has locked the door and is gone abroad. No, you have locked the door and she's within. They told us below she was here. Will nothing do? Well, it must out then. To tell you the truth, ladies, uh, which I was afraid to let you know before, my wife has just now contracted the smallpox. Do not be frightened, but pray, be gone, ladies. You shall not stay here in danger of your lives. Pray, get you gone, ladies. No, 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 we have all had the smallpox. We are immune. Well, I see one cannot beat women at their own game of lying. Therefore, I'll quit the field. Exit Pinchwife. Here's a fine example of jealousy. <laughs> Indeed, as the world goes, I wonder there are not more jealous since their wives are so neglected. Tis a nasty world. Why, tis the men of quality's fault. They never visit women of honor and reputation as they used to do. Nay, they do satisfy their vanity upon us sometimes and tell us all the world they lie with us. Damned rascals. To report a man has had a person when he has not had a person is the greatest wrong in the whole world that can be done to a person. Tis an errant shame that noble ladies should be so wronged and abused. But still a worser shame for a noble lady to defame her honor by entertaining some insignificant serf of a man. And yet. The crime against our honor is the same with a man of quality as a man of none. We are whores regardless. No, dear sister. Sure, the man of quality is likest to one's husband, and therefore the fault should be the less. But the pleasure should also be less. Then his quality should be discretion, not nobility. For nobody takes notice of a private man. Therefore, a tryst with him may be more secret, and the crimes the less when tis not known. You say true, but still, my dear, dear honor. Enter Sir Jasper, Horner, and Dorland. I, my dear, dear of honor, thou hast still so much honor in thy mouth, which she has none elsewhere. 
Oh, what do you mean, husband, to bring in these scoundrels upon us? Oh, these are as bad as wits. Oh. Let us leave the room. Oh, stay, stay, Faith, to tell you the naked truth. Fie, husband, do not use the word naked. Well, well, in short, I have business at Whitehall and cannot go to the play with you and therefore would have you go... With those two? To a play? No, not with the other, but with Mr. Horner there can be no scandal. No, no. Nay, prithee, dear, hear me. Ladies. Stand off. Do not approach us. You heard with wits. You are obscenity all over. And I would as soon look upon a picture of Adam and Eve without fig leaves as any of you if I could help it. Therefore keep off and do not make us sick. What a devil are these? Pretenders to honor Doralint, nothing more. Come, Mr. Horner, I must desire you go with these ladies to the play, sir. I must beg your pardon, sir, and theirs I will not be seen in women's company in public again for the world. <laughs> Strange diversion. Tis a greater shame for lewd fellows to be seen in virtuous women's company than for women to be seen with them. Indeed, madam, there was a time I only hated virtuous women, but now I hate the other kind too. I beg your pardon, ladies. You are very obliging, sir, because we would not be troubled with you. In sober sadness, he shall go. Nay, if he will not, I am ready to wait upon the ladies. And I think I am the fitter man. You, sir, no, I thank you for that. Mr. Horner is a privileged man amongst the virtuous ladies. It'll be a great while before you are so. <laughs> but where is Pinchwife? Seek him out, Dick. Exit Dorland. Come, come, man. What, avoid the sweet society of womankind, that sweet, soft, gentle, tame, noble creature, woman made for man's companion. But the more noble, soft, gentle, and tame creature is a spaniel, which has all their tricks, can fawn, lie down, suffer beating, and fawn the more. Barks at your friends when they come to see you, makes your bed hard, gives you fleas. And all the difference between the spaniel and the woman is the spaniel's the more faithful animal and fawns upon one's master. Oh, rude beast! Insolent brute! Ingrate! Stinking, mortified, rotten French rascal to dare! Hold, and it please you, wife. For shame, Master Horner. Your mother was a woman. Will you never keep civil company? Methinks tis time now, since you are only fit for them. <laughs> and since you are unprovided of a lady to flatter and a good house to eat at, pray, frequent mine, and call my wife mistress and she shall call you gallant according to the custom. Who? I? Faith thou shalt, for my sake. For your sake, then. Come, wife, here's a gamester for you. Let him be familiar sometimes. Nay, what if a little rude? Gamesters may be rude with ladies, you know. Yes, losing gamesters have a privilege with women. But for your sake, husband, if Mr. Horner behaves himself, I'll give him admittance and freedom. All sorts of freedoms, madam. Aye, aye, all sorts of freedom thou canst take. 
and so go to her, begin thy new employment, wheedle her just with her, and be better acquainted one with another. I think I know her already, and therefore may venture with her my secret for hers. Horner and Lady Fidget talk apart. Sister, cause I have provided an innocent playfellow for you there. Who? Him? There's a playfellow indeed, cuz. No, brother. You shan't choose playfellows for us. You have terrible taste. We thank you, brother. Hey, but hear me, ladies. What poor gentleman could you be so generous? So truly a man of honor as for the sakes of us women of honor to cause yourself to be reported no man? No man! And to suffer yourself the greatest shame so that none might fall upon us women by your conversation? But are you, sir, as perfectly the same man as before you're going into France, sir? As perfectly, perfectly, sir? As perfectly, perfectly, madam. Nay, I scorn you should take my word. I desire to be tried only, madam. Well, that's spoken again like a man of honor. And to say the sooth, I have a strong faith in your honor, dear, dear noble sir, that I'd forfeit mine for yours at any time, dear sir. No, madam, you should not need to forfeit it for me. I have given you security already by my falsifications. But if upon any future falling out, you yourself should betray our trust, dear sir, I mean, you might tell, dear sir. If I did, nobody would believe me. The reputation of impotency is hardly amenable, dear madam, once it has been spoken. Nay, then, you may do your worst, dear, dear sir. Come, is your ladyship re reconciled to him yet? Uh, have you agreed on matters? For I must be gone to Whitehall. Why, indeed, husband. Mr. Horner is a thousand times a better man than I thought him. Come, squeamish, sister dainty. I can name him now. Truly, you know, not long ago, I thought his very name obscenity, and I would as soon have had him, and I would as soon have him, and I would as soon have laid with him as would have named him. Very likely, poor madam. I believe it. No doubt on it. But now that you like him, get you gone to your business together. That is your pleasure, whilst I go to my pleasure. Business. Come then, dear gallant. Come away, my dearest mistress. Why, tis as I would have it. And as Exit I'd have Sir it. Exit Sir Jasper. And as I'd have it. Who for his business from his wife will run takes the best care to have her business done. End of Act Two. Act Three, Scene One, A Room in Pinchwife's House. Sister, what ails you? You are grown melancholy. Nay, I confess I was quiet enough till my husband told me what thrilling lives the London ladies live abroad with their dancing, meetings, and junketings, and dressed every day in their best gowns. And I warrant you, play at nine pins every day of the week as I would. Enter Pinchwife. Come, what's here to do? You're putting the town pleasures in her head and setting her a longing? Yes, after nine pins. There's no one in this house, brother, gives your wife such longings but yourself. 
come, Mrs. Flippant. Good precepts are lost when bad examples stand before us. The liberty you take abroad makes her hanker after it and be out of humor at home. Well, tomorrow night I shall be rid of you, for you will be married to Master Sparkish as you ought. Great comfort. And the next day, before tis light, Marjorie and I will be rid of the town and my dreadful apprehensions. Come, dearest, be not melancholy, for thou shalt go into the country after tomorrow. What do you tell me of the country for? How's this? At the country? You love the country. Let me alone. I am not well. What ails you, dearest? Truly, I don't know. But I have not been well since you told me there was a gallant at the play in love with me. Uh huh? You see, brother? Her yearning is not my doing, tis yours. Nay, my dearest one, if, if you are not well because a lewd fellow chanced to lie and say he liked you, then you'll make me sick too. Of what sickness? Of that which is worse than the plague, jealousy. Psh, you jeer. I'm sure there's no such disease in our medicine book at home. But pray, bud, let's go to a play tonight. Why, dearest? Faith, dear, not that I care a fig for the theater, but I like to look upon the player men, and also because I would like to see the gallant you say loves me. That's all, dear bud. You hear, brother? Your wife would go to the playhouse, a destination you showed her, to see her admirer, a man you revealed to her. Sister, thou art a plague. And like the plague, uncontainable. Well, if the play be done, let's go abroad, dear bud. Let's walk about before tis late, for I will go. That's flat and plain. So, the obstinacy already of the town wife. Sister, how shall we do that she may not be seen or known? Let her put on a mask. <sighs> a mask makes people but more inquisitive and is as ridiculous a disguise as a stage beard. Her shape... Stature, habit will be known. No, I'll not use a mask, tis dangerous. How will you do then? Nay, shall we go? The exchange will be shut, and I have a mind to see that. I have it. I'll dress her up in a suit and pass her off as her brother, little <laughs> Sir James. Nay, I understand the town tricks. Come, let's go dress her. Exeunt. Scene two, the new exchange. What? Engaged to women and not sup with us? Aye, a pox on them all. You were, as, you were a much more reasonable man in the morning and had as noble a resolution against ladies as a widower of a week's liberty. Did I ever think to see Harry Horner keep company with women in vain? In vain? No. Tis I... Tis since I can't love them that I will be revenged on them. Then avoid them and hate them, as they hate you. Because I do hate them and would hate them the more, I'll frequent them. You may see, I imagine nothing makes a man hate a woman more than her constant conversation. Sup with women unless I could lie with them, then sup the rich coxcomb unless I could cheat him. But hark you, sir, before you go, a little of your advice. An old maimed general, when unfit for action, is fittest for counsel. 
I have other designs upon women than eating and drinking with them. I am in love with Sparkish's mistress, whom he is to marry tomorrow. Now how shall I get her? Enter Sparkish, looking about. Why, here comes one that will help you to her. He, he is my rival and will not hinder my love. No, a foolish rival and a jealous husband assist their rival's designs, for they are sure to make their women hate him, which is the first step to their love for another man. Mm-hmm. Yours like to be bubbled of his mistresses of his money by keeping him company. Who is he that is to be bubbled? Master Sparkish. <laughs> Vape, lads, let me snack. I haven't met with a bubble since Christmas. I it's ignorance itself. Come, you bubbling rogues. Where do we sup? Oh, Harcourt, my mistress tells me you have been making fierce love to her all throughout the play. <laughs> Did she tell you so? Then all I, then I see all women are like these whores of the exchange who, to enhance the prize of their commodities, report to their fond customers offers which were never made them. Aye. Women are as apt to tell before the intrigue as men after it, and so show themselves the vainer sex. But hast thou a mistress, Sparkish? Tis as hard for me to believe it as that thou ever hadst a bubble as you bragged about just now. Oh, are you at your raillery, sir? We wits are ahead of you. (laughs) Indeed, we have all been bold with you. Did you not hear us laugh? Yes, but I thought you had gone to the play to laugh at the poet's wit, not at your own. No, I thank you. Egad, I go to a play as to a country retreat. I carry my own wine to one and my own wit to the other, or else I'm sure I should not be merry at either. But who comes here, Sparkish? Enter Pinchwife and Mrs. Pinchwife in man's clothes, with Alethea and Lucy. Oh, oh. Hide me. That's my mistress, too. Sparkish hides himself behind Harcourt. She sees. But I will not see her. It is time to go to Whitehall, and I must not fail the drawing room. Prithee, hide me! By our lady, it's Pinchwife. And who is that pretty youth with him, Sparkish? I believe his wife's brother, because he's something like her, but I never saw her but once. Extremely handsome. I have seen a face like it, too. Let's follow them. Exeunt Pinchwife, Mrs. Pinchwife, and Alethea, and Lucy. Harcourt and Dorlant following them. Come, Sparkish. Your mistress has seen you and will be angry you do not approach her. Besides, I would fain be reconciled to her, which none but you can do, dear friend. Well, that's a better reason, dear friend. I would not go near her now for my own sake, but I can deny you nothing. For though I have known thee a great while, Frank, I swear I'll be damned if I do not love thee as well as a new acquaintance. Uh, Come along. Exeunt Sparkish and Harcourt. Re-enter Pinchwife and Mrs. Pinchwife. The swarm of cuckolds and cuckold makers are here. Come, let's be gone, Mr. Smardry. You believe that? I haven't had half my belly full of sighs yet. Then walk this way. Lord, what a power of brave signs are here. Stay, the bull's head, the ram's head, and the stag's head, dear. Nay, if every husband's proper sign were visible, they would all be alike. What do you mean by that, bud? No matter. Pray tell me. They would all be bulls, stags, and rams' heads. 
Exeunt Pinchwife and Mrs. Pinchwife. Re-enter Sparkish, Harcourt, Alethea, and Lucy at the other side. Come, dear madam, for my sake, you shall be reconciled to him. For your sake, I hate him. That's something too cruel, madam, to hate me for his sake. I, indeed, madam, too cruel to me to hate my friend for my sake. I hate him because he is your enemy, and you ought to hate him too for making love to me, if you love me. I hate a man for loving you. If he did love you, tis but what he can't help, and tis your fault. Not his, if he admires you. <laughs> God, I cannot hate a man for being of my opinion. <laughs> well, to see what easy husbands these women of quality can meet with. A poor chambermaid can never have such ladylike luck. Besides, he's thrown away upon my mistress. She'll never abuse him, for she would be virtuous, and he'll never be a cuckold, for to be one requires good breeding. But is it for your honor, or mine, to suffer a man to make love to me who am to marry you tomorrow? Lord, madam, I think, <laughs> I think you are jealous. Oh. Will, will you be so cruel as to wrest a poor man's meaning from his words? Nay, we must resolve this once and for all. Let Mr. Harcourt answer to the catechism. And there an end. Look you, dear Frank, do you love this woman? Yes. I wish you would not doubt it. But, but how do you love her? With all my soul thank him. Methinks he speaks plain enough now. You do not understand him, but with what kind of love, Harcourt? With the best and truest love in the world. Look you there, then. That cannot be matrimonial love. How's that? Do, do you say matrimonial love is not best? Egad, I went too far, ere I was aware, but speak for thyself, Harcourt. You said you would not wrong me, nor her. No, so madam takes the man for heaven's sake. Look you there, madam. Who should in all justice be yours, he that loves you most? Look you there, Mr. Sparkish, who's that? Why, who should it be? Go on, Harcourt. Who adores more than titles, dowries, or fortunes, fools? Ah, look there. He means me still, for he points at me. Who alone can match your faith and constancy and affection? I. Who knows if it be possible how to value so much beauty, wit, and virtue? I. Whose passion can be more equaled in the world than that heavenly form of yours? I. Who could no more suffer a rival than your absence? and yet could no more suspect virtue than his own devotion to you. I? Who loves you, Alethea, so much as it would terrify the coward he was before he saw your face. Nay, madam, where are you going? You make me stay too long. At least wait till he has saluted you, that I may be assured you are friends. After his honest advice and declaration, come, madam, be friends with him. I have not yet made the marriage vow. You cannot compel me to obey you. Re-enter Pinchwife and Mrs. Pinchwife. What? Invite your wife to kiss men? 
Monstrous! Are you not ashamed? Nay, you must not teach me, sir. I am a man of honor, sir. Madam, I hope you are now reconciled to my friend, and I so wish you a good night, madam. And sleep if you can, for tomorrow you know I must visit you early with a liturgical gentleman. Good night, dear Harcourt. Exit Sparkish, pinch, Pinchwife steps between Harcourt and Alethea, who are staring at each other. <coughs> Sister, come away. We had been gone if it had not been for you, and so avoided these rake hells who seem to haunt us. Look out, here they come now. Enter Horner and Doraland. How now, Pinchwife? Mr. Horner, your servant. What? I see a little time in the country makes a man turn wild and unsociable and only fit to converse with his dogs, his horses, and his herds. I have business, sir, and must mind it. Your business is pleasure, therefore you and I must go different ways. Well, you may go on, but this pretty young gentleman must stay with us, for I suppose his business is the same as ours. Pleasure. Pray, brother, let's be gone. Aye, come away. Had you not rather stay with us, prithee? Pinchwife, who is this gentleman? One to whom I am a guardian, sir. Nay, stop staring at him. He's a poor, bashful youth. You put him out of countenance. Come away, brother. Oh, your brother. Yes, my wife's brother. I thought so, for he is very like the she I saw at the playhouse whom I told you I was in love with. Oh, Jimmy! Is this he that was in love with me? I am glad on it. I thought for he's a curious, fine gentleman, and I love him already, too. Is this he, bud? Come away, come away. Why, what haste are you in? Why won't you let me talk with him? Harcourt, Doralant, look you here. This is the likeness of that dowdy he told us of, his wife. Did you ever see a lovelier creature? The rogue has reason to be jealous of his wife if she's anything like her brother. She is indeed very pretty if she be like him. More beautiful than a poet's first mistress of imagination. Or a man's last mistress of flesh and blood. Nay, now you jeer, sir. Pray don't jeer me. I only speak of your sister, sir. And by saying she was handsome, you made him blush. Methinks he is so handsome he should not be a man. I cannot stay fooling any longer. His sister, my wife, stays supper for us. Now, heaven forbid I come between you and your wife's meal. But pray, young gentleman, present my humble service to her. Thank you heartily, sir. And tell her, dear, sweet little gentleman, that one glimpse of her brother here has revived the love I had for her that first sight at the playhouse. But did you love her indeed and indeed? Indeed and indeed. Pray, tell her so, and give her this kiss from me. Horner kisses Mrs. Pinchwife. What do I suffer? I cannot endure this any longer. <clears throat> uh, come, come, I say. Good night, dear little gentleman. Madam Alethea, your servant, farewell, pinchwife. Exeunt Horner, Harcourt, and Dorland.
Hey there, don't leave just yet. If you've made it this far, please listen for just one more minute because we have something to share. It really means a lot that you took time to listen to today's episode, and we really hope you enjoyed it. So what do we want to tell you? Well, we're here to let you know that we're here to serve you. If you have suggestions, ideas, possible guests, show topics, anything you'd like us to cover on future episodes of the Sweet Tea Shakespeare Hours, please let us know by sending feedback to ours, that's H-O-U-R-S, at sweetteashakespeare.com. Until next time.